Breakfast from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Welcome back to Warriors Weekly, the official Glasgow Warriors Club podcast. My name is Jack Reed. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and every other podcast platform. Please do get in touch using the hashtag Warriors Weekly on Twitter. This week I am joined by Rory Jackson. uh, Jacko, do you think it's pretty bad form from Ashy to accept a Scotland call-up knowing that he was going to miss the recording of the podcast? Definitely. And I remember this happening in in November as well. I just bailed out last minute and just left you up... uh, up the creek without a paddle so to speak and I've stepped in again and probably going to get more viewings than here. I think so well the last episode you were on got um, a billion downloads yeah. so crazy number one sport podcast in the world I hope. exactly what's the chat been this week about the, the Saris game um, kind of, I feel that the, the final score doesn't quite reflect the performance is that, is that the feeling within the squad as well yeah definitely it was a, it was a close game real, real good battle like that, that first half was an, was an awesome spectacle both teams going at it and then they just, they just really tightened the ship in the second half and, and ground us down. And when it was 24-19 with 10 minutes to play, we, we had chances and then they're the ones that managed to, to get over the line and then just, just killed off the game well, which is why the sort of European champions, premiership champions in the past. And we just got to be a bit more clinical and a bit more ruthless for the whole 80 minutes. Sore enough to give us optimism going into that quarterfinal later on in the year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think looking back at it there's, there's a few few things that we we blatantly missed and kind of kicking ourselves a bit about it so um but we also proved we scored, scored three quality tries against them and uh and things we want to sort of work on so i think we'll go down there with uh, a lot of optimism and, and try and get that get into that semi it wasn't really a system thing that kind of gifted them their points was it it was just the odd slip the odd mistake so i guess that's a positive thing yeah definitely they're, they're easy mistakes to to fix it's just um Maybe the occasional lapse in concentration, or just pe- people do make mistakes. It's human, um, mm-hmm. so we're we're hopeful those things don't don't happen in the in the next game. And uh, I think when we were on it, systemally we were really good, and and when we were accurate, we we uh, we didn't feel under too much pressure and forced them into to kicking the ball away way a lot. And dealt we dealt with that pretty well. So we're back in here. Um, Twenty one players now in the Scotland squad with Alex Dunbar. Matt Smith and Rob Harley all called up. Um, what's it been like? It's obviously a different feel. How do how do you as a squad cope with that? Is is training different? Are there different games? Is it different stuff? Yeah, I mean, I mean day one's always uh, very much pretty low key. Um, a lot of clarity, a lot of analysis um, of the game past and game coming up, and and so that's still all the same. Um, obviously, we're hopeful we'll get a few boys back. Um, mm-hmm this week so maybe a few different combinations going through the the moves and stuff out, out on the pitch but um as a squad we're we're fairly knowledgeable about even when you're not playing you're still having to learn the moves and the roles and and so it should be seamless um coming into the into the team and uh so yeah so not too much changes and as i say hopefully we'll get get a few boys back um later on in the week and that's when we'll really ramp things up Sometimes we're guilty of not blowing our own trumpet enough, I feel. 21 is more than any other squad in Europe. It is really impressive, isn't it, the amount of boys that are out playing or in the international squad? Yeah, big time. Um, I think it just shows from just the years of consistent sort of performances um, that Glasgow have been putting in. And I think it's, personally, I think it's good that we don't necessarily blow our own trumpet. Um, some neighbours 
probably blow it louder than than, than we do and once they start winning things maybe um except the 1872 cup obviously the trophy that shall not be named <laughs> um but yeah so uh, we just we we've built our success on just just hard work and graft and and we don't ever want to go away from that we we sort of we've been guilty a couple of times recently uh, of, of maybe just going away from that and, and and we get punished so we know as a squad we we just knuckle down and get on with our work and, and do do all our speaking on the pitch and and that's reflected with 21 guys being called up and, into the squad and, and it's great to see um stretches our our resources but we kind of thrive in that i think um we've never been afraid with, with young guys stepping in and and changes to the squad and I think we've proven that sort of this year already and, and previous years as well we've we've always done pretty well in this this period and yeah well that's what I was going to say the chat externally is all oh Glasgow down to bare bones Glasgow depleted but actually if you look the last few seasons it's in these windows that we've really thrived and got some of our best results yeah definitely and uh, I think this year is going to be really important it's a it's a real dogfight in our conference this year which is a good battle to be in I think um, we probably coasted a bit too much last year towards the end and um, this year I don't, we're not going to be able to do that so we've got six massive games coming up and, and we've sort of seen this as a sort of a mini mini competition in itself and, and we want to sort of leapfrog and get back to that top spot in the conference um, and then and then back into Europe which is a, a nice little sort of a cherry on top because in previous years maybe we've mm-hmm. we've been having weeks off in April <laughs> yeah. um, so it's nice to be able to hopefully keep that momentum going and we've always got things pushing us forward. Has it been different for you this week? Dave always talks about the, the leadership group is that have you come into that have you kind of any more responsibility with some of the some of the leaders away with Scotland? Yeah uh, a few, few guys away so our leadership groups in terms of small units have been depleted so having to cover a bit more ground on that and then yeah in the in the actual leaders group as well a few boys being pulled in and uh in some ways it's quite nice as well um maybe for the coaches as well they get a few different voices to listen to mm-hmm. um and then yeah it's a, it's a chance for us to sort of challenge ourselves and push ourselves and hopefully um and take on this young group as well and and push us forward again and it's a uh, like um even though obviously I'd love to be be over in the, the six nations camp i think uh actually really enjoyed the the autumn mm-hmm. um uh earlier on in the year and um sort of a different role you take on and and it's just nice sort of trying to trying to help these young guys and seeing them step up and it's quite refreshing playing with these guys and, and trying to trying to keep keep up with them or, <laughs> or, or keep trying to keep, keep them just on your coattails but it pushes you forward again it gives it a, a, a nice new dynamic to to the week and and it's exciting so who is in the the glasgow Warriors six nations leadership group who who's in there um, well, Rob Harley was, but he's been s- s- taken away from our, our, our clutches, which probably shortens the meeting somewhat with his uh, peculiar lines of thought. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So this morning it was DTH, who's normally in it anyway, uh, Cully as well, um, and uh, f- myself, uh, uh, Nick Frisbee are in it, Brandon, um, Fuzzy, Fraz, uh, being being depressing as always. Um, so there's a, there's a good balance in there, and uh, yeah, so it's good fun and with Kenny Murray leading it this week as well. Um, it was good, and he had, he had his little bullet points and minutes for the meeting, <laughs> and it was uh, very structured, and 
actually probably stuck to time better today than uh, than with uh, Renz at the helm. That was, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> Kenny Murray's head coach of the week with Dave Rennie away at his son's wedding in New Zealand. So apart from the time keeping, what's the what have the differences been? Is he is he taking the helm? Is he sat in his sat in his chair? Yeah, What's he wearing he, his big he, head coach a, hat? <laughs> he's in the boss's seat, came in in a suit this morning, <laughs> and uh, firing people left, right, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Um, so yeah, so no, it's good. It's quite it's quite good fun. And Kenny deserves it. He's um, he's been here a good good number of years, and and he was obviously did, did the head coach's role at, at Air, so he's not not um, new to that sort of side of things. And yeah, he's, it's good. Um, is so it is different, he, or is it kind of just? It doesn't feel too different. It doesn't feel too different, I guess, because because we're all on the same uh, song sheet anyway. Um, there's nothing new really getting put in. It's just uh, a different voice. Um, so the Ouija's are happy. Um, mm-hmm. Kiwi's probably not so much. Um, <laughs> but no, so it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's good fun and it's exciting and it's probably nice for Kenny to to get that um, that role and obviously. Um, it's great that Dave gets to go and see his, his son get married, which um, because with rugby you you do miss out on a lot and sacrifice a lot, and so um, for the way the way it's worked out, um, and hopefully we'll we'll do Kenny justice, <laughs> and, and Dave doesn't feel like he's screwed up, but, um, so it should be all be good. It was internal team announcement today. Dave says the same thing after every team announcement. Did Kenny did Kenny say that? Or did he have his own one? <laughs> no, he did. He, he stuck to it. Um, don't know whether he's as superstitious as Dave, but he, uh, yeah, he came out with the, the old statement as well. Well, I spoke to Kenny Murray earlier today about the head coach role and how he's dealing with it. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Kenny, how was your first day as Glasgow Warriors head coach treated you? Yep, um, obviously we spent a bit of time reviewing the game from the weekend, um, the Saracens game and uh, the sort of key learnings from that um, we were pretty pleased with some of the aspects of our game but against uh, the better teams in Europe if you don't get your, your, your complete game right then you get punished and that's what happened to us at the weekend so yeah it's a bit of a time reviewing that um, and then we, we get through our clarity so um, just looking at ahead fixing things from the weekend and then also looking ahead to the Ospreys game this week and what's going to be important for us there we're obviously been missing a, a, a fair chunk of the players now of an international camp so um, it's a really good opportunity for those you know, guys that maybe haven't been involved as much to get a bit more time on task um, over the next few weeks. So yeah, it's, it's been a good day. From a personal point of view though, what are the main differences between an assistant coach and a head coach? Have you had to do anything majorly differently or have you just been going, going about it the um, way you normally would? Actually, just get, just get more things in your, your plate really. Um, obviously, as an assistant coach, I look after defence and focus on that, but... You know, I suppose spent a lot of time yesterday on sort of speaking to medics, speaking to conditioners, um, speaking to coaches. We had our um, coaches conference call Sunday night last night um, for about an hour and fifteen minutes, so sort of leading that. So just all those other wee bits and bobs on top of your role, but obviously the guys are it's an experienced coaching team we've got, so the, the guys are, are on the ball what they need to do. So um, no, it was, it was pretty straightforward process today, to be honest. John Humphreys has been going around telling people that Dave asked him to be head coach this week and he turned it down. What, what do you have to say to that? Well, anybody who knows John Humphreys' organisational skills um, probably realise why Dave was very quick not to ask him to be the head coach. <laughs> this is a guy who was meant to be looking after a young player we had in here on, on our training day and it was meant to be taking him home, still in the same area, and Humps went home and left him here, forgot about him. 
So that's, that's a level of organisation and detail what, we're talking about. And Greg Willard was on this podcast before he tells the story about you and him climbing Ben Lomond. Yeah, um, in the last um, t- uh, week we had off during that autumn test window, um, I'd organised for a group of us to climb Ben Lomond, so myself, Ian Monaghan, uh, Greg and Humps had all agreed we would do it, so we we got organised, we went there on the day, even despite the weather being pretty poor, we decided we were going to go because we planned to go, but we got there, waited in Humps, no, no turn up, and eventually... We got a phone call from him saying that he couldn't find Ben Lomond. <laughs> so um, we were a bit surprised. You know, oh, he, he was in he was in Loch Lomond, but couldn't find Ben Lomond. I just I told him just to look for the highest peak. I'd say if you find the highest peak, you'll probably find it. So uh, yeah, there's another good reason why he's not the head coach this week. What this, let's go way back. What was your first coaching role way back when? You were a development officer in Glasgow, and then what was your yeah. first coaching role? Yeah, I mean, I was um, I was development officer in Glasgow, basically the coach Glasgow under sixteens. Quite a few years there, the head coach there, um, did a lot of work there in terms of development squads and stuff like that. Um, so what I, year would that have been? Oh goodness, that in the way back. Um, that's probably kick, kicking in about maybe eighteen years ago. So yeah, I'd have been about early twenties at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah did 16s enjoyed that a lot of the boys that have come through came through that 16s program like guys like Rob Harley and all that played, played there so yeah it was good um, it was good 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 learning and development back then you're a young young coach so did a lot of stuff through that um, and then I was into club coaching as well at Carfer um, assistant coach in there for a year and then I took over as head coach and then following that after a couple of years out doing my job at Murrayfield and then getting head coach job at Ayr so I headed that up for five years and a lot of work in that because you're doing that on top of doing your normal daytime mm-hmm. job so this is almost like having two jobs so um, yeah, it's a lot of time and pressure doing a club side the, the, the guys that are doing club coaching I think a lot of people don't realise how hard they actually work because um, everything is outside their normal job or the work they do so did that and then obviously um, got the opportunity to come here underneath Gregor so it's been, yeah, it's been a good development uh, programme for me would you would you have believed it if someone had told you when you were at the under under sixteen saying down the line somewhere you'll be standing in as head coach for the Warriors? Is that was that ever your goal or were you just just taking it as as it came? Um, it was always a goal to try and progress in coaching and try and get as high as I, I could in coaching. But way back then you probably don't think it's really in the pipeline for you because um, not being a professional rugby player, um, the, the avenues open to you to progress sometimes aren't as as obvious. So. Um, I was fortunate the SRU sort of you know made a decision that they were going to you know provide the opportunity for a club coach to come through. So I took that, took the gamble because it was a bit of a gamble at the time as well, leaving a full job, full time job and permanent job to come in to do this. So it was a bit of a gamble for me, but yeah, I've, you know I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's been great working with the coaches I've worked with and the players I've worked with as well. And every day is a learning day in here. You're always mm-hmm. learning something new. We obviously Dave came in over the last year. He brought new ideas and stuff. So. No, I thoroughly enjoy it. Do you feel that not being a professional yourself, that you bring maybe a different, different outlook into the way you coach? L- lots of the coaches that we've had recently have played rugby yeah. professionally or even before professionally, but they played internationally or to a higher level. Yeah. Do you think the fact that you've come at it from a different angle does that is that a positive? Yeah, I think I think particularly the whole organisation side of it. Like some coaches will come through, not guys in here, but some coaches will come through and maybe 
you know, they've been good players and they're coming to coaching, but they, they lack that real, you know, how to coach. And I think that's something I was always I was always good at because it's not so much the what to coach, it's actually how you coach, it's the important thing and that's how you get your message across to players, how they learn and develop from that. So I think from the pathway that I've been involved with when I've, you know, came through a developmental coaching pathway, I think I've learned a lot of really good skills that have helped me in here. Um, coming through the club game as well, where you're having a you know be the head coach at a club and managing a, a completely different environment from a pro environment. You get guys that are doing it for a hobby, and you know guys can't turn up every training session for mm-hmm. training for various reasons. So you have to manage manage a lot of things in the club game. So that that develops you as a as a coach, I think as well. You know, in professional coaching, the guys are here pretty much every day for every training session every week. We're meant to be here, so. Um, there's that, and I just think in my old in my previous jobs as well, it, you know, I've done a lot of things in terms of you know budget management and managing staff, um, project management. So these things all really help you in, in your job as a as a coach. You mentioned people you've worked under and influences. Are there any specific instances or specific people that you feel have really influenced you and, and where you are now? Um, I think I've learned a lot from the the coaches that have been in here. I think. Um, Gregor, when I first started, obviously he, he was the guy who interviewed me and gave me the job. So, you know, it was interesting to hear his philosophy in the game and uh, how he managed players and his whole mindset around game game philosophy and game management. So, I was it was good for me when I came in because you know I, I had an idea how I wanted to play the game, but he sort of showed different ideas and ways of playing. So I took a fit from that and then. Obviously, when I came in initially, I worked a lot with Matt Taylor in defence because Matt was doing the Scotland role as well as doing the Glasgow. So I took on a lot of the work that he was doing. So, um, you know, it was really good to see the detail that Matt brought to defence um, within the environment. So I learned a lot from that about you know systems, structures, and then just really good bits of detail. Um, and also, I think the guy that probably took that on a lot more was Dan. Um, so watching in the year, couple of years I spent here with Dan, like, that was a big thing for him as well. Was the, the detail um, he he enjoyed um, both in the sort of set piece side of it and the contact side of it in particular. So um, and also what 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 I enjoyed with Dan was Dan was really keen to learn a lot from outside of rugby. So things like the military and, and other sports. So we had a lot of really good discussions around that. Um, things like exact after action reviews, how you reviewed performance. So I really, I picked up a lot from that as well. And then, obviously, this coaching team are in now with Dave and Humps and, and Bogues. You know, Bogues has, for example, got a real focus on um, skill development. Um, I think sometimes coaches can get caught up in plays and structure, um, which is always important for us. But um, the thing that Bogues and Dave in particular have brought in is that real emphasis on skills. Um, um, both individually and as a, as, as a, as a backline. So, um, yeah, and same for the forwards here. You see the difference Humps has made as well the last couple of years. Like, our mall this year has been excellent, you know, both in defence and attack. So, yeah, I mean, every day I'm learning and picking up things that, you know, in other areas of the game that, that I, want, I, I want to. So, yeah, I really, enjoy, I really enjoy working with the two coaching teams I've been involved with. You're the only Glaswegian member of the coaching staff. Do you feel that? Having come through the system the way you have, your connections to the club game, is that another strength of yours? The fact that you're you're not an outsider. You've, you're from Glasgow. You know that you know the territory. Yeah, and I always, I mean, I've always said that for the last few years. It's important to have Glasgow people involved in a Glasgow sports club, particularly a professional sports team like us, because 
it gives the public a bit of connection as well. So the fact that we've got you know staff in here that maybe have been members of rugby clubs or from the community that people know, and also the fact that we've got players who have come through the system in Glasgow, that straight away gives connection between the, the, the club, the player, and then that player's community, whether that be school or his club. And that is really, really important. A lot of people in Glasgow take real pride in you know, players from their area or players from their club or school going on to represent Glasgow Warriors. So we need to make sure we maintain that because the way, this, the, way the games go on and the, the movement of players, you know, we've got non-Scottish, non-Glasgow players and that will continue. But we need to keep bringing players in from the through the, the local areas because that's how you engage with the community and that's how you generate and develop a much better audience as well. Because winning is one thing which helps audience development, but um, having a real connection between the guys on that pitch and the surrounding areas of Glasgow is another thing that helps bring players to sc- uh, people to Scotson. That's it's interesting because when you were. At Air, for example, some of the some of the players that you'd have coached have now gone on to are now starting for Scotland. Is that mm. is that a channel that is still this club rugby? Is that still a channel that should be resourced? Do you think is that something that's really important to the growth of the game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously for me, club rugby is the the lifeblood of this um, lifeline of the, the, the rugby in the country. Like people keep forgetting that only probably about between five and ten percent, if that, of the game in this country is professional. 95% of this game is, is amateur, clubs, schools, etc. So the club game plays a vital role in producing players and um, uh, uh, administrators and coaches, etc. to move up into the game. But I think from a club perspective, there needs to be there's a, a pathway in the country in terms of moving through the academy um, and then into the, the uh, national UK side, etc. and then into the pro game. But there also needs to be an opportunity for maybe late developers that have came through mm-hmm. and you know, even guys like Finn Russell. I was say, give us some examples of guys who you yeah. had at Air who are now. Um, I mean, at Air, obviously, we guys there that came through when I first coached in Air were Pat McArthur and Gordy Reid. So they both were in the academy at the time, but then both pushed through and then, and then obviously achieved a lot in the game. Um, Mark Bennett came to Air when I was there. So he was at um, Cumnock uh, Rugby Club. That's where he played his rugby. So I signed him at Air when he was 17. And he came and played a year, year and a half of us before he moved on. So, so these guys have these guys are pushed up and pushed through. But I think the way rugby's going in this country now, the Super Six will is intended to bridge a gap between the sort of amateur game and the club game. And I think like there is quite a, there's quite a significant step up between the pro game and the club game. And having I suppose that's where I've got I can say that because I've worked in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the. The time on task that pro players have in both their fitness, their conditioning, and their rugby, obviously, is much more than a, a, an amateur rugby player would have mm-hmm. in their training maybe a Tuesday and a Thursday. So there is a big, there is a considerable difference. So the Super Six now is is meant to help bridge that gap a little bit. So the semi-pro nature of Super Six means that guys can get more coaching, conditioning, time on task with the team. So that will help improve the quality, I think, of the club game all round. Plus it'll um, involved maybe expediating some of those young players in the club game into the professional environment because there's now a semi-pro step to the ladder that they can then get involved with. So, but we need we need the club game to be strong. The, the reality is we need um, our club game to be strong as we can so we can provide opportunities for guys to come through and play. If it's not strong, then it's unlikely players are going to then push through to play at this level of rugby. Not everyone can 
find the way to professional rugby through the through the academy system, for example. It's just just the way it is. So yeah. it's important to have another avenue, that, like the club rugby avenue, the semi-professional league. Is that how important is that? And yeah. like, I was interested in what you said about Mark Bennett there. How how did you sign him from Covenant? What how did that work? Did someone tell you about him? Like Finn Russell, for example, when he was at Falkirk before yeah. he came to Air. How how did those conversations happen? So basically, Mark obviously was at Cumnock, so he was involved with, I think, Glasgow under-18s mm-hmm. and I think Scotland under-18 at the time. So obviously, coaching the era, a lot of players were on my radar in terms of trying to sign them for air because you want to be as strong as you could be. So Mark was always in the radar, and I knew Mark from age grade stuff coming through as well, Glasgow under-16s and that sort of stuff. So um, it, was, it was quite an easy one. Mark wanted to progress, so the playing level come up with playing at although come up did a really good job in helping develop Mark to where he got to and we need to make sure we don't lose sight of that because that's really important you know to recognise that um, but Mark needed to play at a higher level and he could provide him with that op- opportunity and that's actually why he came here to play for us and then he would then move on to Glasgow subsequently mm-hmm. um, with Claremont of course uh, and that's uh, right Claremont as well he spent a bit of time over there um, with Finn um Finn was about the same. Finn had Finn was a bit more of a late developer. He he came through and played for Scotland under twenties. Wasn't hugely involved in the age grade stuff before that. Um, but he bust through. He was playing at Falkirk. Um, I think he went to World Cup for Scotland under twenties. I think he played a bit of centre and a bit of ten in that, in that under twenty World Cup. Um, and I I worked with Finn's dad, so I was aware of Finn from an Aston perspective. So um, got the connection in through there. And Finn at that point. Um, was obviously wanting to again make that step up into the higher level of club rugby in the country. So uh, um, his options were either probably going to be Curry or Air. Both clubs had really shown interest in him. So for me, I, I met Finn, you know, through a member. I met him through in Stirling at the services in Stirling and, um, you know, sort of encouraged him to come and play Air. And we, we knew we could help facilitate his development, at the same time allowing him to, you know, improve as a, a player. So, um, yeah, fortunately for us, he signed for Air. And, a few game, a few games into the season, though, a few people, a few of the the old air crowd were asking me, "Who's this guy?" Every time we see him, he's missing kicks to touch. And I thought, "Look, he's a really good player. Give him, a, give him a bit of time." But um, yeah, he did well for air when he was there. And obviously, the thing for Finn was he didn't play a huge amount for air because he made that transition to the pro game really quickly. Mm-hmm. So he, um, quite rightly, um, ended up playing a lot more for Glasgow maybe than people would expect him to play early on. So that was great for him as well. Um, but you know it's good good for these guys and the thing about Finn as well that he'll still go down to air now and again when he's got time like certainly he was here before he moved across to France but he would frequently be seen down at air watching games mm-hmm. and I think that's a really big thing for our guys as well looking back to clubs that they've come through because um, it means a lot to the supporters at that club if they see you know a Finn Russell down watching watching the club side so again that's that whole connection for me that's really important between the club and the, the pro game what are the differences going to be for you this weekend as head coach off the pitch? You've got a bit more media duties to do. What yeah. else? What's going to this Ospreys game? What else are you going to have to um, do? In place? Obviously, there's a lot of things off the pitch, media, etc. Um, we've just planned. We've planned all our sessions now. It's a it's a tricky week this week because we'll be getting some returning players from the Scotland squad, but we won't get them back until till Wednesday. So they'll come in. We're off tomorrow. Um, we train on Wednesday so we'll get them back on Wednesday they'll do a bit of training with us on Wednesday and then we'll have them again on Thursday for our team run mm-hmm. or captain's run so we'll change a week a bit a slightly bit this week we won't, won't be able to have the same structure just because of the number of bodies we've had available to us 
So the big thing this week is about getting the detail and clarity right. Um, a lot of that will be done via um, video and via telestrations, which are you know over um, talkovers and videos, uh, and obviously the team meetings as well. So although there won't be a lot of time on task in the pitch for these Scotland returners, um, a lot of their work will be done off the pitch. So I've got that, managing them back in, um, and then also um, towards the end of the week, you know, we'll get the cap captain run on Friday, um, and then obviously uh, as we get into the game on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, all the stuff that comes with that. So um, it's always a huge game in terms of points for the club, they're five points ahead of Ospreys at the moment, so if we can get a win this weekend, we can we could take a bit of a jump ahead of them. If we don't get the win, then obviously they're right back up. So I wouldn't be looking forward to today's phone call on Friday <laughs> night if we don't if we don't get a win. So yeah, all the attention is 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 playing well. We'll get we're going to have a good side in the park. Um, this time of year, as I said, it's always difficult, but you know with Gregor releasing guys back, we're going to have a good side in the pitch. Uh, it won't be hugely dissimilar maybe for the to the side that um, beat um, Ospreys down there earlier mm-hmm. in the season. So yeah, we're we're really excited about the weekend. We took a lot from the Saracens game, but you know we're excited and optimistic that we'll we'll win this week. What's uh Kenny Murray in the changing room like? Team talk, motivational speeches, or are you gonna let the players lead? There'll be a bit of that at the start. We always um, Dave will generally you know we'll meet you know an hour and a half or so before the game, and we'll have a, a bit of a motivational chat. So Dave will lead that a lot of the time, and other times an assistant coach will do that. So I've done it a few times. Hopefully I'll do it. The last time I did it was the Kings game away from home, which we lost. So I'll be making sure that it's not the same speech as <laughs> doing that. I've been back. That's just a wee bit of opportunity to talk about what's important in the game and you know focus players' heads a bit on that. Um, and one of the things we've done a lot this year is is and with this group in particular who are playing this autumn in Six Nations windows, you know, making those guys accountable for performance. That's been really important. But there's no get out here that you know yeah we're missing internationals so. Um, you know, we, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. That that's not our mindset. I mean, one thing Dave has really instilled in the guys is look. The expectation is you you will go out there and play, and you will go out there and win, irrespective of who's wearing that jersey. So that that'll be a message that we'll be putting across again this week. But yeah, All right. Best of luck. Hope it's one from one as head coach of Glasgow Warriors. Yeah, you'll you'll still be in a job on Monday morning. <laughs> The official Glasgow Warriors podcast. So great to speak to Kenny there. Uh, last week, Jacko, we put out a little competition. Um, George Horns the, got the best try-to-game ratio in Glasgow Warriors history, 1.89 tries per game. That was before this weekend's game. Um, Kevin Miller told us that you should follow him on top of the moon on Twitter because... Just all some of the stats he comes out with are amazing. But we asked if anyone could p- name the five other players in the top twenty. Did you give it a go? Can you can you think who would be? Try to game rest year. Current um, squad players. There are five more. George is current, number one. Current squad. Current squad. Nico. Nico's up there. DTH has that, to be up there. Is up there. Um, Hoggy probably. Hoggy's twentieth because he. But he plays about two games a season and scores two games with, uh, scores two tries uh, so you're missing one forward and one back so one forward one back who scores that is it a hooker it's not lots of people lots of people guess George Turner but it's not yeah, George Turner I was just thinking like driving malls and stuff forward that scores a lot so the back scored against Saracens. 
Tomlinson, correct. Forward. So my point is forward score tries. So my point is that no one got this last person's name. There wasn't actually a winner. So we're going to go through and find out whoever's closest and get in touch with them about the Ospreys tickets. But Callum Gibbons really? has a better try to game ratio than Stuart Hogg. Really? It's impressive. Cully's, if you no, think about it, he's got, he's yeah. got the one. Fair play, Cully. You yeah. must be 21st, don't I? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Just 21st. And try assists. <laughs> don't have the pace to get to the line. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll be way off that list. Um, ah, interesting. Ospreys on the weekend, you'll be hoping for more game time than the last time you played them. You're, you're two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed it was there. Uh, yeah. Um, not not the not the best game from myself. <laughs> one one sort of supporting line and uh, t- tweak my hamstring. So uh, yeah, hopefully the body holds out longer this time. Every uh, time I name the team and I put the the appearances, I feel like putting point five next. Yeah, so now yeah, hopefully we'll be we'll be putting in a bigger shift this weekend. And what's the chat been about them? What are we? What are their main threats? What are we gonna have to be wary of? Um, I thought they're, they're one of the teams that kick the most in the in the league, um, which can be good for us because we've got a, a good counter attack. But they also, last time we played them, they they kicked really well and managed to turn us into some pretty tricky situations. So we need to look to defuse that. Um, their defence is very good. Um, I think they're one of the, they've got the best tackle completion in the league. So um, so it'll be a good 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 challenge for us who we pride ourselves on our attack to, to see how we can break that down and um, and yeah so they're, they're a good good solid team and, and they um sitting right behind us in the league so this is a massive game for us if, if we can create a bit of separation uh, between us uh, it would be a great great start um, going into the Six Nations well Jacko thanks again for stepping in let's make this move permanent I think yeah I'm I think just, so oh, actually should get the call put, and it, put it to the vote to the public <laughs> yeah we should actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do the poll this yeah. time <laughs> screw you Ashy thanks for tuning in and there'll be more Warriors Weekly next week The Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy.